0: As we seek to be people who listen for God and hear from God, we are considering this summer individuals in the Bible who, in fact, heard from God. And the scripture story for today is from the story of Elisha and Naaman. Naaman is the commander of a Syrian army, and Elisha brings healing to Naaman. The scripture passage I have for you starts with verse 15 of 2 Kings chapter 5. Then Naaman returned to the man of God, Elisha, he and all his company. He came and stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a present from your servant. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives whom I serve, I will accept nothing. He urged him to accept, but he refused. Then Naaman said, If not, please let two mule loads of earth be given to your servants, For your servant will no longer offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any God except the Lord. But may the Lord pardon your servant on one count. When my master goes into the house of Ramon to worship there, leaning on my arm, and I bow down in the house of Ramon. When I do bow down in the house of Ramon, may the Lord pardon your servant on this one count. And Elisha said to him, go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So I hate to admit this to you, but it's true, so I'm going to. In our household, we are fans of several reality television shows. Many Wednesdays during the year, two members of my family will greet each other in the kitchen with, It's Survivor Night, yes! One of my children was really hoping that we would plan a summer trip to Hoboken, New Jersey, because that's the site of the next great baker, her favorite show. And my girls and I were excited to see the return of Project Runway this week. Now, I've noticed that some people are very loyal to their favorite reality television shows. And they're going to watch every season and every episode in that season. Well, I have a more discerning palate. (laughs) I want to know a little bit about the characters in any given season before I sit down and watch an episode. You know, I really like for there to be someone who's going to bring the drama. Someone who can throw a good fit. I want to see that. And I like for there to be an underdog. I like for there to be somebody that you wouldn't normally pull for, but I'm going to pull for them anyways. And this is a stretch, but I like for there to be someone with a little bit of class. And sometimes that happens, and then I'm going to sit down and watch that episode. Well, what I want to suggest to you this morning is the scripture story ...that we have is like a really good episode. It's the episode of Naaman in the series of Elisha. And it is worth watching because the characters are so very colorful. First of all, we have Elisha. Elisha the prophet. Elisha, we are told, uh, knows stuff. The scripture tells us that um, when Elijah ascends into heaven by a whirlwind that on that very day, Elisha is walking with Elijah, And there are prophets that come out from Bethel and Jericho and they pull Elisha aside and they say, today, today is the day that your master will be taken from you. And Elisha says, yes, I know. Be quiet. Elisha knows stuff. We also know that Elisha is powerful. Before Elijah ascends into heaven, Elisha says to him, give me a double portion of your spirit. And then the scripture tells us that Elisha picks up Elijah's mantle and he uses that mantle to part the waters of the river Jordan. There's another scripture story where Elisha is just walking along, minding his own business, and some boys come out and taunt him and they say, Go away, baldy. And you know what happens? Elisha turns around and he curses them. And then as a result, two mother bears come out and they maul the boys and kill them. Now, not that we know any bald-headed prophets, but that might be a word of caution for us. Elisha knows stuff. Elisha is powerful, and Elisha also helps people. In another biblical story, Elisha raises a good boy, not one of those bad boys, but a good boy from the dead. Another point in 2 Kings, Elisha comes across a widow who has many debts. And Elisha takes the little bit of oil that she has in a jar and multiplies that oil. So that she can then sell it and pay off her debts. And there's another scene where Elisha uh, goes to a dinner. And there's a famine in the land. And it looks something like a clergy conference. And the clergy are in charge of putting together the stew. And, of course, they mess it up. The ingredients that they put in make the stew poison. So Elisha takes some flour and he throws it into the stew. And it purifies the stew. So first off, contestant number one, we have... Elisha, prophet, Old Testament prophet, with a double portion of the Spirit. We also have a contestant named Naaman. Naaman is, the scripture says, a mighty warrior. He is commander of uh, the Syrian army, and he is well respected by those who follow him, and he also has the ear of his king. But Naaman has a couple of flaws that make him rather interesting to watch. The first is that Naaman has leprosy. And this is problematic. It's an incurable disease that Naaman has. And then as far as the Israelites' community and ritual is concerned, it makes him unclean. So the Old Testament book of Leviticus says that one who is a leper must live outside of the community. That they must dress in torn clothes and that as they walk along they are to cry out unclean, unclean so that nobody comes near them. That makes Naaman kind of an interesting fellow but even more intriguing than that is the fact that Naaman plays for the other team. He is commander in the Syrian army and the Syrians have in fact battled the Israelites before. In fact, we know from this biblical story that in Naaman's very household, there is a servant's girl from Israel. So he took her captive, one of God's own people he has captive in his own home. Now, I don't know about you, but I've met the prophet Elisha, and I know the temper that he has, and I would say things don't look very good for Naaman We also have a couple of kings in this biblical story in this episode. There's the king of Israel and the king of Syria. Now, when the king of Syria learns that there is a prophet in Samaria, in Israel, that can cure the commander of his army, he says to Naaman, you have to go there. And I'm going to write a letter. And in this letter, I'm going to say, dear king of Israel, when my servant Naaman reaches you, I know that you Will provide for his healing. That you will bring healing. Well the king of Israel gets this letter. And the king of Israel says oh no you've got to be kidding me. Who does he think I am? Does he think I'm God? Only God can cure leprosy. He's trying to pick a fight with me. So the kings They're in this game. But it doesn't look like they have any real power in this game. It appears to me that the kings are just good for a laugh or two. And then you might notice in this episode, I don't know, you might not, because they're not named, but there are some servants in this episode. So there is a servant girl who lives in uh, Naaman's home, who goes to Naaman and says, if only you knew of the prophet in Samaria, in my home country, if only you could go to him, then you would be healed. And then Naaman does, in fact, decide to pack up his belongings and go to the prophet Elisha. And when he arrives at Elisha's doorstep, well, Elisha sends a messenger out. So it's good. The good news is Elisha doesn't smite him. (laughs) But the bad news is that Elisha doesn't greet him either. But it's this messenger who brings word to Naaman. You must go and wash yourself in the River Jordan seven times, and then you will be cleansed. Well, this is really puts off Naaman. He doesn't like it at all. It makes him angry, and he's just ready to go home. But it's his servants that say to him, you know, we know you. If the prophet had sent a word to you that was difficult for you to do, we know that you would do it. But this is easy, so why not try it? So Naaman then does, in fact, go to the Jordan River. He washes himself seven times, and when he comes up out of the water, the scripture says that his skin uh, is, is restored like that of a boy. Well, it's a puzzle to me. It's intriguing to me that much of the wisdom in this biblical story comes from the servants. That's an unexpected place And it makes me Remember to pause And ask myself Who is it that's Speaking for God that's within my earshot That I'm not hearing I know that you don't do this But there are some people That when they speak It's like a blur to me I don't really hear them It's kind of like that voice From the Peanuts cartoon of the adults Remember that voice The scripture story reminds me of the importance of God's word coming in unexpected places through very unwise and underprivileged people. Now, you and I are not the only fans of this scripture story. Jesus is a fan of this episode as well. You will find Jesus referring to Naaman in the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke tells us that Jesus goes to the synagogue and he takes out the scroll of Isaiah and he reads from the scroll in his hometown in Nazareth and he rolls that scroll back up to put it away and he says to the people who have gathered in the synagogue today as you hear these words, they are being fulfilled in your presence. And the people among themselves say, wow, he's impressive. Isn't that? Not Joseph's son. That can't happen. He can't do that. Not here. And then part of Jesus' response is to say to them, In the time of Elisha, there were many lepers in Israel, but only Naaman was cleansed. It's as if what Jesus is saying is the order that you know is being turned upside down. The procedure and the rules that you rely on are no longer good. The God who is the God of Israel is now the God of everyone. Things are really being shaken up. And the people run him out of town. They're offended. I get that. There is a certain degree of security and order and proper procedure and doing things the right way. I am very much a person who likes to do things the right way and say the right things and I often am right. <laughs> I got a video from a friend this week. It was a Rob Bell teaching on wonder. And one of the things that Rob Bell said is that Jesus never taught, Blessed are those who are right. It's a shame. It was my opportunity to have my thoughts blessed off, I think. <laughs> No. Instead, Jesus brings in a new order, a reversal. Things are shaking up. Things are going to be different. Now, I think that my favorite place of offense in this scripture passage is the part of the story that Marsha talked to the children about. It's when Naaman arrives at Elisha's doorstep and Elisha doesn't come out. Because I know that's not right. I know that that's not hospitable, and that's not the way to treat a guest. Scott Hare reminded me this week that in this time and in this place, Elisha would have known that he had a guest coming for at least that day. For several hours ahead of time, he would see the guest coming. So Elisha doesn't come out. You know, I learned this year as I went through faith walking that you can overlook me all you want, and that doesn't bother me at all. But if you disrespect or you dismiss me, if I've thrown my hat in the ring, if I want to participate in a particular game, it really stirs up my anxiety if you disrespect or dismiss me. I can remember a few years ago a neighbor calling to tell me that we had been left off of a list for a birthday party in the neighborhood just to tell me that we'd been overlooked. And before I could think about it, my first response was, oh, whew, That's good news. I didn't want to do that. (laughs) But disrespect is a different thing as far as I'm concerned. You know, I've grown accustomed being in this community for the last 17 years to just a certain degree of friendliness. You all are very kind to me and to my family. But sometimes when my family travels and I don't encounter that same degree of friendliness out there outside of San Antonio, My family will nudge me and they'll say, they don't know who you are. (laughs) Should we tell them you're a pastor? (laughs) No, no, no. I don't even have to travel very far out of San Antonio to encounter being dismissed. I can just get in the car and drive around on the San Antonio roads and find uh, disrespect that way. I suspect I don't have to be a pastor. You've experienced this as well. Well, there are several points, twists, and turns in this biblical story where the people have the opportunity to be offended by the dismissal or the disrespect that they receive. And there's the servant girl who serves in Naaman's household. She has the right to be offended and be angry that she's been taken captive. There's the king of Israel. He has the right to feel threatened The king of Syria There's Naaman He has the right To be offended that Elisha doesn't come out And maybe Elisha has The right to be offended that Naaman would even Appear on his doorstep And there's Naaman's servants They've traveled all this way With all of Naaman's Much of Naaman's belongings And he's going to decide to throw in the towel And go back home They could be offended as well and I think the thing that I notice in this passage that's most important to me is that some people are offended in this story and some are not. And where offense occurs, it acts as a barrier for God's work and God's word and healing to occur. We need to drop our ability to be offended Because our ability to be offended prevents God's word and God's work to land and to take root. Now, I suspect that Naaman is such an addict to proper procedure that in those last few verses of the passage that we read today, he wants to prevent further offense with Elisha. Remember, he says, Elisha, two things. I just want to make sure that I, I don't offend in the future. But two things. Would it be okay with you if I take two mule loads of dirt back home with me? And then also I want, to, I want to know, will it be okay if I go to worship in the pagan temple? I'll have to do that. My master is going to take me and relies on me to go with him and steady him. Will that that be okay when I go and go through the motions in the pagan temple? And Elisha doesn't have much of a response. He just says, go in peace. Well, I believe that Naaman has indeed experienced healing. But what he has ahead of him is the hard work of salvation. You know, when Paul was writing to the Philippians, he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that is... What Naaman has ahead of him, the hard work. When Elisha says to Naaman to go in peace, the word that he would have used would be shalom, the Hebrew word for peace, which brings to mind the idea of completeness. And I think of a jigsaw puzzle being put together, the pieces fitting together in such a certain way that then there is a complete picture When the pieces all fit together. But it doesn't happen all at once. You can't just dump the pieces out onto the table and expect for the puzzle to be put together. It's a work that takes place over a period of time. As Paul was writing to the Philippians, he said, Whatever you find, whatever you find that's true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever you find that's pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, whatever's worthy of praise, think on these things and do the things that you've seen and heard me do and the God of peace will go with you. Focus not on the things that are likely to offend, but instead focus on the unexpected places where God's Spirit is doing work. And the pieces come together. Go in peace.